Let's turn together to Acts chapter 1. We're going to bring the lights up and uh, so you can see it. We began last week uh, a series that's going to go uh, through a part of the book of Acts. We started at the beginning. And we're going to kind of take our time, kind of working our way through a little bit. Um, Looking at the, the church in its very beginnings, uh, a lot of things have changed over many, many years, um, and certainly the, the kind of gatherings that the church has, you know, this obviously in the first century, wasn't, it wasn't like this. It was probably a little softer and probably uh, not as comfortable in, you know, whatever, and they probably didn't gather in church buildings. Um, they were in each other's homes, and they gathered when they could, and um, there was very intense persecution at the time, which we don't have now. And so in some ways, it's, it's a bit of a challenge, you know, to relate to uh, this first century brand new, like, group of Christians, you know. Um, however, uh, there are, are, I think we have much more in common with them than we, the things that we don't have in common with them. That while there are great differences, uh, we have this narrative, this story in front of us, this eyewitness account of what happened in the very beginnings of the life of the church that is worth our attention, and uh, we can learn so much from this group of people that we will not know this side of heaven, um, that we have this account. So uh, Luke, who uh, wrote the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts, gathered uh, all this information based on eyewitnesses and put together a very detailed, almost, almost like an attorney would, in, in putting together a case, you know. And so he talked to all these people and gathered all these statements and uh, very methodically put together this, uh, these two books. One was really detailing the life of Christ, and then Acts is detailing the work of the Holy Spirit in the beginnings of the church. And so in Acts chapter 1... Uh, We began at the beginning last week. We're going to pick up in verse 12. It says, Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away. And when they had entered, they went to the upper room where they were staying. Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon the zealot, and Judas the son of James. Okay, so all of them. Um, All these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. In those days, Peter stood up among the brothers. The company of persons was in all about 120, which is probably about how many we have here. Okay, so the early church was, it was not a group of, you know, the 11 apostles and maybe a few more people. And it also wasn't, there wasn't masses. It was a group maybe about this size. Um, verse 16, Brothers, the scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke beforehand by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. For he was numbered among us and was allotted his share in this ministry. Now this man acquired a field with the reward of his wickedness. So they're talking about Judas, the one who betrayed Christ, and who was one of the twelve, and they're kind of figuring out what do we do, what do we do with this? You know, what's, what's, what has happened? And so here's how we find out what happened after uh, all that. Verse uh, 18. This man acquired a field. So Judas bought a field with the reward of his wickedness, with the silver that he got for betraying Jesus. 
and falling headlong, he burst open in the middle and all his bowels gushed out. All right. Um, uh, Judas took his own life and he hung himself. Uh, and so that's what happened with Judas in a field. Uh, verse 19, it became known to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem. So the field was called in their own language, Akeldama, that is field of blood. All right. Verse 20, for it's written in the book of Psalms, may his camp become desolate and there be no one to dwell in it and let another take his office. So one of the men, uh, one of the men who have accompanied us during all the time that the Lord Jesus went in, uh, in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John until the day when he was taken up from us, one of these men must become with us a witness to his resurrection. So, they went from 12 to 11, and the scripture said they needed to replace uh, Judas, and so they're trying to figure out how they're going to do that. Um, verse 23, they put forward two, Joseph called Barsabbas, who was also called Justice, and Matthias. And they prayed and said, You, Lord, who know the hearts of all, show which, which one of these two you have chosen to take the place in this ministry and apostleship from which Judas turned aside to go his own place. And they cast lots for them, and the lot fell on, fell on Matthias, and he was numbered with the eleven apostles. So that was their method for choosing who would uh, replace Judas and become the twelfth apostle. They prayed and said, will you make your will known? And they cast lots, which is probably a method where they wrote both of their names on rocks and like put them in a bag and stirred them up and like poured one out, and whichever rock fell out, whoever's name it was, that was... God's way of revealing his will to them. Uh, I cast lots for it. So, um, not the most thrilling passage of scripture in the book of Acts. You know, like some of you are probably like, let's get to the good stuff. Let's get to the, the, the Holy Spirit coming and the tongues of fire and all the different languages and all the miracles and all this kind of stuff. But, um, but there's some significance here that we're going to look at. And, and I think that the timing of this is really, uh, really good on Part of the Lord. We'll talk about the Judas, the replacing Judas stuff at the end, maybe if, if I have time. But I want us to really look at verse 14. Jesus told him to wait for the gift of the Holy Spirit. Wait to be clothed from on high. Wait for the Father to send the Spirit. And so they went back to the upper room where they had taken. Um, where the Lord's Supper had, had, had happened. And uh, so they went back to this place that was meaningful to them. And it says in verse 14, All these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer, together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. They were devoting themselves to prayer. Jesus said to wait. Um, wait for the promise to be fulfilled. And so they went back to this place and waiting and prayer are really synonymous ideas, especially in the Old Testament. Like, you didn't just, like, wait, like, sit around and, like, I don't know, play around on your phone and that kind of stuff, or watch TV or twiddle your thumbs or whatever it is. Waiting and prayer were, were together. And so for this group of people who were of one accord, there was a unity that was there. They said, well, Jesus said to wait, so let's go back, let's go to the upper room, let's go to this meaningful place for us, and let's devote ourselves to prayer. You don't accidentally devote yourself to something. You know, you don't, like, suddenly 
you know, after like six weeks of a diet, be like, whoa, I didn't realize this. I've been on a diet for like six weeks, you know. You give yourself to that. You make, a, you make an intentional commitment to something. You devote yourself to a person. You devote yourself to a project at work. You devote yourself to your family. You devote yourself to your church. You devote yourself to accomplishing something. You devote yourself to something on purpose. It carries with it in the, in, in the Greek language this idea of a, of a con- continued steadfastness. Like you have, you have set your mind on something and you have resolved, like this is what I'm going to do. And so they devoted themselves to prayer. We see this not only here, we see it in Acts chapter 2, uh, in, verse, uh, in 242 where it says they, they devoted themselves to prayer, the apostles teaching, the fellowship uh, and, the, uh, and the breaking of bread. They, they intentionally were like, are we, are we going to do this? Yeah, we're going to do this. And they did it. See it again in chapter 6 when, uh, the, when deacons first show up in the New Testament. They're like, we're going to have some deacons so that the apostles can devote themselves to prayer and ministry of the word. We see this, this same word used all throughout the Bible, uh, well, all throughout the New Testament, and then there's a parallel word in the Old Testament. And every single time, it's this intentional devotion to something. So for them, it was to prayer. And so in our efforts to... To learn from the early church is not just one verse. This, is a, this was a descriptive of what it was like for them and just to be them. They were devoted to prayer and probably because they had walked in the shadow of Jesus for years and he was devoted to prayer. And in their efforts to be exactly like him and to imitate him and to become just like their rabbi, they were going to devote themselves to the things that he was devoted to. And so he was devoted to the will of the Father. He was devoted to ministry for people. He was devoted to preaching about the kingdom. And he would, like, they would wake up in the morning and be like, where's Jesus? We don't really know. It's like, then he would like, come out of the woods or something, I guess, because he had been with the Father in prayer because he was devoted to that. So devoted that at one point they're like, they had the humility to say, would you teach us how to do that? Which kind of implies that they, were, they weren't really getting it. you know. So... In the time of the Christian church when it was the most fruitful and there was a, a beautiful purity where, like I said last week, they, they didn't have buildings, they didn't have budgets, they didn't have denominations, they didn't have all this stuff. They just had Jesus and they had each other. In this time of incredible growth and glory brought to Christ, we cannot ignore the fact that uh, those people were devoted to prayer. And we have to look at that and say, there's something, there's something going on there. And if we desire to live in that same kind of purity, then prayer is going to be a part of that, and we don't accidentally stumble into that. Um, in December of 1999, uh, I know some of you are like, oh, it's only three. Like, okay, we get it. You're young. Okay, Congratulations. In December of 1999, uh, a group of people that was, I would say, probably between the ages of 17 and 25, uh, devoted themselves to prayer. Um, for the New Testament church, they'd been like, man, they, Jesus made them a promise, and they weren't real sure how and when that was going to happen, so they devoted themselves to prayer so they would be dialed in whenever it was time. 
And we looked at that and said, well, there's something to that. Let's devote ourselves to prayer also because we sensed that Jesus was stirring something among us. And so we took the winter break from when, when LSU wrapped up in December until LSU started back in January. And we said, we're going to devote ourselves to prayer during this time because we want to know what his will is for us. Um, and we are not, uh, and this is no offense to anyone in that age range, but we knew like we're not mature enough to discern what we think he's doing among us by just like sitting around somebody's apartment and dreaming up good ideas and like, let's go for it, you know. So we decided we are going to devote ourselves to prayer, and we weren't going to talk to each other about it because we were too influential on each other. We would get each other all worked up, you know. So we were going to separate for that break, and we were going to devote ourselves to prayer and not talk to each other about it and just talk to Jesus. And at the end of that time, we were going to come back together and say, what did he show us? And let's see how much commonality existed among us. And so we did that, and... From that devotion to prayer, uh, Jesus really came, put us on the same page about really four, four things. Uh, this group of people was going to uh, be a part of, like, uh, which was the ring, was going to um, be a part of a ministry that would become a church. That was the biggest thing we were seeking. The second thing is that it would not happen anytime soon. Um, and to the point where we didn't even realize that like most of those people in that room would not even be a part of it by the time it rolled around. You know? So we were like, yes, it's going to be a church. It's not going to be anytime soon. So it kind of helped us back off the gas a little bit. You know? um, the third thing was to, um, to be a blessing to Parkview, which is the church that we were a part of. That was, uh, we were the college ministry at Parkview. It was to be a blessing at Parkview, to not get so focused on one day being a church that we were forsaking the church family that he had brought us into. And the fourth thing was to begin to seek wisdom from those who had planted churches ahead of us. Um, and so we, as a group of, of young people, came out of that devotion to prayer uh, with a, a real adoration for our Savior who had just simply and beautifully answered our prayers. Um, we, it, was just, it was just amazing. And I don't know why we were so stunned. We were like, God, can you believe that we are all on the same page? You know? But that's what he did. And there have been other, other points in time when we've devoted ourselves to prayer as a, as a congregation in different ways. Um, and really that, that kind of month-long prayer emphasis just became a regular thing for us because it was so nourishing to us. And so, you know, the 30 days of prayer has become something we do every year. But it's kind of morphed and changed. You know, there were some years it was more, it was more strategic than other years. You know, sometimes it's just about us syncing up in covenant together. Sometimes it's about just the Lord teaching us the same ideas each day. And, um, but I think that this year we're in a place that's more like we were in the very beginnings of the ring. Where... We need to hear from him about our future. Um, and so, learning from what we see here in Acts, that they devoted themselves because Jesus, Jesus was doing something among them. He had promised them something, and he was like, you just need to be patient and, and wait for the timing of the Father. Uh, and they devoted themselves to prayer in a unified way. Uh, learning from them, and learning from those folks who, in December of 1999, did this, like, a similar thing. Um, 
this year's 30 days of prayer is going to kind of be a little bit more like it used to be in, in those early days than it has been in the last few years. And I want to, I want to explain a little bit why. I'm going to sit down. Uh, and first of all, nothing's wrong, okay, with me from sitting down. Uh, and also, uh, there's not like a big problem or anything. But, but I do feel like uh, in talking with the elders and uh, staff and uh, even talking with community group leaders yesterday and uh, just different things that have been going on, really, I mean, for, for more than a year, um, just feel like we as a, as a congregation are kind of at a, a unique kind of crossroads, which sounds real dramatic, you know, but, but I literally mean like when roads cross each other. Like I feel like we're coming up on a, to some sort of decision, you know, some sort of something where we're going to have to take a step of faith either to the left or to the right or straight ahead or maybe it's one of those like weird, uh, you know, like I don't know, if you've ever been to India, there will be places where like nine roads will all come together in one like massive traffic circle that looks like just just the most terrifying thing you've ever seen, but somehow it works there. And also, I don't know if we're coming up on an intersection that has like nine different spokes or or three. I'm hoping it just has one, you know, like it's just that random stop sign in the middle of the country somewhere where you stop because you follow the law, you know, that kind of thing. But, but I sense that we're coming up on something where we're really going to have to sense the Lord's direction. And um, the elders have been talking and praying for a while, and staff, you know, same thing. We've kind of back and forth some stuff, and... Um, I think I can identify like three kind of areas of thought that that I guess kind of are are the why behind the way we're going to do thirty days this year. You know, uh, th- three three kind of things. So one of them is is the fact that when we started out uh, as a church plant, which will be nine in like a month, uh, which is which is crazy. We'll, we're in our you know we'll be nine. It's nuts. Um, the there was never like this real, like formal commitment type thing, you know, of uh, in, in certain in certain aspects of church life. You know, we were like, we God told us in January of two thousand that this was going to happen, and then He laid the groundwork, and then in February of '06 we planted and this, you know, this kind of stuff, and and so we just kind of were rolling with the punches and just really um, by all practical. Like church planning standards, we should not have made it out of year one. Uh, we, we, we just shouldn't have. We shouldn't have survived financially. We shouldn't have survived demographically. There's just nothing about what we've done that we should not exist anymore. Uh, so we've kind of been an anomaly in a lot of ways. Um, but one of the things probably early on that, that was not anticipated by any of us is the fact that uh, we don't really live by each other. You know? Like we don't... We're not like a, we don't live in a city where there's like, we're all kind of neighbors, you know. So we don't have a community. We don't have a zip code that's like, you know, our deal. We can't like draw a circle around our church building and say, this is where we all live and minister. And this is our community and our town, you know. Um, And a church should exist like for the, the city and the people that they're a part of in that community. And yet we have multiple cities represented in our in our church, you know. Um, and uh, a while back, one of our elders took all the covenant members' addresses and plugged them in this program that, like, dropped a pin where everybody lives. Um, and it's, like, I mean, you kind of know that, but when you look at it on a map, you're like, whoa, 
people are driving super far to get here on Sundays. And then um, he kind of like manipulated it to where it showed like 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 these lines like how far everybody drives to go to a community group, you know. And so it's like so much, so many lines, you know, just so much and so scattered out. So early on, we set up our everything about us was built around, I guess, this maybe deep in the back of our mind assumption that we would all we would kind of just land together somewhere, and we haven't, you know. We don't have a building. We don't have a plan for our building. You know, we don't have a, a, some acreage somewhere that has like a future home of the ring, you know, sign on it. There's just nothing like that. And, and the truth is, like, what, what are we going to do? You know, like if, if, if someone's like, like, hey, we should, hey, here's a, here's a free 40 acres in Prairieville, you know. All the Zachary people are like, what's up with that? You know, Prairieville, we live in Zachary. So it's kind of, it's just a unique situation. It's not bad. It's not, it's, it's great. Believing that God just has gathered a bunch of people together and then scattered them back out, I think it's amazing. But in, in discerning a future for us, it makes it difficult, you know. Um, so we really need to hear from the Lord of like, what do we do with the fact that we are not a, a community, like a geographically centered group of people? What do we do with the fact that we're scattered out? Um, how is that a strength that we really work our way into? Um, so that's, that's kind of one thing. Um, the second kind of deal is um, we, we have not, or we're always growing and we're always shrinking. There's constantly new people coming in and being a part of, of, of the church, but there's also people constantly moving. And relocating to other parts of the country. Um, you know, we, we haven't had a ton of people like, you know, like get super angry and like go to another church. You know, for the most part, when we lose people, it's because they're, they're moving to other cities, other places because of, of work or family or, um, you know, those kinds of things. Um, so in figuring out what does our future look like, there is a degree of not being sure who you're working with, you know. I don't know if that makes any sense, but uh, it just kind of makes it makes it tough. Where it's like, okay, if I knew if I knew that there were these 120 people, and they were never going to leave, you know, and they were going to always live exactly where they live, you know what I mean? Like as a as we're looking at a future, like okay, that's like uh, some really um, some variables that aren't going to change that are kind of solid and in place. We can kind of know that, but uh, but we don't know, and that's been all the way. From when we were college ministry on until now, Baton Rouge is a, it's a landing point for some. It's not a landing point for others. Um, so what do we do with the fact that there is a, um, that that's kind of a thing as well, you know, that, that we aren't really sure long term who, who is going to be a part of things? And how much do you even base it on that? You know, like there's, there's just so many questions in there. So, so one, one area of thought is... Uh, we live scattered out. What do we do with that? The other one is being a Baton Rouge church, there's going to kind of be this um, revolving door aspect of things. What do we do with that? The third one is, is probably, probably just throws out the other two to a degree. Um, and the third one is that for probably a year and a half, we've, we as elders and staff have really felt the Lord, like, to, like Jesus, who is the head of this church, um, who has like engaged to us as his covenant people 
Uh, so who is fully committed, like he's not moving anywhere, you know, like he's fine, he's, he's stable. We felt him drawing us out to be more bold, to just ask him. Just ask him for crazy stuff. Um, I think that, like, some of this probably comes from the fact that, that I am, like, like, obnoxiously laid back about stuff. And so I'm just kind of like, oh, you know, whatever. Whatever he wants to do, he'll do it. It'll be fine, you know. Um, I'm a little bit more like I'm just going to let life kind of just like come to me instead of I'm going to go after it kind of a person. And, and I, I think I've probably approached the ring like that to a degree at times. And, um, and I'm not saying that like that's a, a bad thing. It's just like a, my personality thing. And then I think maybe to a degree that's kind of how we've approached it is just like we're just, trying to, we're just trying to do the best we can, do the best we can, figure it out, figure it out. But not being real aggressive and saying, Jesus, will you give us a building? You know, will you give us a piece of land? Will you give us direction? Will you just tell us what you want us to do? Um, and so I would say maybe a year and a half ago, um, his method of drawing, drawing the elders and staff out a little bit more and being more aggressive was to sort of, uh, I guess, like it sounds cruel, but like dangle the carrot a little bit out in front of us, you know. So he kind of put something out there and was like, hey, why don't you ask me for this, you know. So we got super excited and started asking, started asking, started asking. And um, not in a cruel way, but that, that went away, you know. And so then you're like, what's, you know, what's the deal with that? And he was like, no, but you see how good it was for you to hear me say to ask, and then you asked. I want you to keep doing that. And the elders have really felt strongly about the 30 days being a corporate asking um, this year. About it not just being something that happens around the elder table or in staff meeting, but this is like us corporately as a family devoting ourselves to prayer like we see the early church doing, like the early ring family did, that we do that now because there's a crossroads coming. We have to, we have to make some, some adjustments to things. Uh, churches die for a lot of reasons, but one that's really common is that they refuse to change. You know? They refuse to look at what's going on and listen to the people and uh, listen to the leadership of their Savior among all, and be willing to make some changes. So, from year one to year nine, we've seen a scattering out, we've seen that revolving door, and we sense Jesus saying, just ask me, just come on, all of you, all of you, devote yourself to this, ask me, ask me, ask me. Uh, So, we're going to ask him. We're going to ask him for a month. And we're going to annoy him with our asking. Um, so in the in the pews, uh, you might see these uh, very uh, very well designed by by Miss Blake Guiche. She probably wants me to say that uh, these cards that are a prayer guide for us over the next month. I want to take a few minutes and I want to walk us through it because I want you to know why we're doing it this way um, and exactly what we're going for. Um, so the general idea is going to be this. Um, Every Sunday, throughout the 30 days of prayer, we're going to pray the same thing. And every Monday, the same thing. And every Tuesday, the same thing. And every Wednesday. So we're going to rotate through those seven things over the course of that month. And we're going to start one Wednesday. So don't you dare pray tomorrow. (laughs) We're going to start Wednesday, which takes us all the way up to finishing on our ninth birthday on the 12th of February. Um, that's what we've done the last few years, is the month leading up to our like, birth date. Um, so uh, we're going to pray these things, and then uh, somehow, 
when that wraps up, we're going to find a way to, to harvest what we are sensing collectively from everyone. Um, so I'll get into that in a second. So let's, let's look at this. Start on the side that says Sunday. Each day has a, has a passage of Scripture uh, that, that, that you can read, and I want to encourage you to read. Um, and yeah, I would encourage you to read the same thing every Sunday, you know, and the same thing every Monday. Read those passages, and then there's like kind of a part of the verse that we've pulled out um, to kind of give us uh, some laser focus on what we're going to pray. So the first, uh, so on Sundays we're going to uh, pray along these lines. Today, um, let us ask God to help us deeply and sincerely desire to carry out the Father's will and not our own giving us discerning eyes to see and ears to hear over the 30 days. So that idea that when Jesus says, look, it's not about what I want, it's about you, what you want. Um, some of the things we're going to be praying uh, are, are going to be us, uh, us praying the other side of that prayer. Because you, know? you know when Jesus says, it's not my will, but your will be done, he had just got done expressing his own will. You know? He was like, I would like... For, this, for the redemption of all of our children to happen without me having to die on a cross. So this is, this is my will. And so we're going to freely express our desires to the Lord. But we want that to fall under this greater umbrella of, but it's not about our will. It's about your will. So on Sundays, we're going to ask for him to help us really deeply desire his will to be carried out, no matter, no matter what. Um, and then we're going to reflect on the character of our Heavenly Father. Uh, taking time to rest in His goodness and His grace, uh, because when you're submitting to the will of the Father, it's man, it's a game changer when you realize like exactly who it is you're submitting to. He's just he's just good. He's always good. Um, in Matthew seven, you know, it's one of the, the passages that we're going to look at uh, on on one of the days on Wednesdays. Um, you know, it talks about asking and seeking. And knocking, you know. And the ESV study Bible kind of breaks, breaks this down, you know, in, in kind of a cool way. It says you ask because, you ask out of the humble recognition that you have a need. You know, so Jesus says ask. So we're going to ask. And it says, you know, seek and you will find that seeking involves, like, that's the action, you know. So we're going to put some legs to these desires that we have. Uh, so... Seeking him out, we're going to put legs to it in action. So over the whole month, you know, we're going to petition, and then knocking implies this like persistence that's there. You know, so we're going to humbly recognize our need, and we're going to put legs to it and ask, and we're going to do it over and over and over and over again. Um, but then the rest of the passage it talks about how uh, parents know how to give good gifts to their children, even though we're all fallen. You know, like even evil parents know how to give good gifts to your children. So. Don't you think your Heavenly Father, who is holy and perfect, is going to give you good things? And so on Sundays, we're going to pray that we would have that kind of perspective of remembering who is the giver of the gifts. Um, and that while He wants us to express our will, that it falls under this umbrella of His greater uh, sovereignty. So that's Sundays. Mondays, um, we'll look at the, the story in Second Chronicles 20, where they're... they're uh, Jehoshaphat and his army are facing three other armies that are ready to just obliterate him. And so he leads his people to pray and to worship. And there's a point in the story where it says, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And so that's what we're praying on Mondays. Uh, it says, today let us ask God to speak regarding our future as a church 
and then take time to simply listen for His voice. And so that's what we want to do on, on, on those Mondays, is we really want to do more listening than talking. And so I want to encourage you to, uh, to maybe find a way to track some of the listening, you know. How cool would it be if every single Monday, you're here, you're, you're, when you're asking God to speak and you're listening, you're hearing some of the same things, or you're, or you're kind of envisioning the same stuff, you know. How cool would it be if at the end of 30 days, you're able to like send in to the elders and say like, hey, all I know is every single Monday I saw a seahorse. How cool would that be? And how cool would it be if the elders got 60 people that sent in that said like every single Monday we just saw a seahorse? It wouldn't be great to be the elders that have to figure out what to do with that. But for God to put us on the same page about that stuff would be amazing. So we're going to take Mondays and we're going to listen. And it's just going to be that simple. And so uh, maybe you have like a piece of paper that you just scribble things on every single Monday. Uh, when you, you need to be, able to be able to track it. But we're going to listen and allow him to speak. Uh, Tuesday, um, we t- looked last week in, in Acts about having... Uh, this, a spirit-empowered mission. And so on, Wednesday, on Tuesdays, we're going to say, uh, we're going to pray along these lines. Let's ask God to help us have the same pure focus described in the book of Acts. One of spirit-empowered mission and agape toward all. That no matter what he says about our future, our, our mission is clear. Like right now, and whatever that mission looks like, it's going to involve the same things. And so we're not going to hit pause right now until he tells us what's next because we know what today holds for us. So much like he did in our first 30 days when he said, yeah, you're going, to be, you're going to become a church one day, just not today. So right now you need to seek wisdom from people who have planted churches and make Parkview better. He gave us immediate steps to take, and we took them, I hope. Uh, so that's what we're going to do on Tuesdays. We're going to pray that we would remember what our focus is. Uh, then on Wednesday... Wednesdays are going to be fun, because we're going, to, we're going to take him up on his invitation to ask and seek and uh, knock. Wednesdays, we'll ask God to give us a building. He says to ask, seek, and knock, so let's petition him in faith throughout the day, because the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. So, every build, like make no mistake, every building we pass by, everywhere around us, it, it all belongs to the Lord. And even though there are landowners and there are building owners on earth, everything really is ultimately his. And so he can do whatever he wants. And there are some insane stories that exist all around the world about churches getting buildings handed to them. Um, and this is not about us wanting something free, you know, wanting to freeload. It's not about that kind of stuff. It's about Jesus saying, I want you to ask me for something huge. And so we're going to ask. Uh, and you know me. You know that church is not a building. It's not about being in a facility and any of that kind of stuff. However, uh, we are like we're always limited. You know, I think that if if we were to get a building, I think our perspective would be good on it. You know, I think we would see it as a as what it's supposed to be. And our goal here is not to get a building. It's for God's will to be done and for us to stay on mission, and for us to be obedient in asking. 
But if there's a part of us, where, if, if it really is an option to us to express our desires, then we're going to do that and we're going to ask him. And so I'm asking you on behalf of your elders to devote yourselves to prayer and to ask. Let's ask him to give us a place of our own. Who cares where it is? You know? Who cares about all the, all the, the things about the what Who cares about the what ifs? You know? So on Wednesdays, we're, we're going to ask him. And believe that he, he can do that. He may not decide to do that, but he can do that. And so, as children who believe their father is who he says he is, we're going to ask him. Uh, turn the card over. Uh, Thursdays. Hmm, sounds familiar. Today, let us ask God to speak regarding our future as a church. And then take time to simply listen for his voice. We're going to listen two days a week. Two days a week, we're going to come before the Lord and we're going to ask Him for direction. We're going to ask Him to speak. And so what if Mondays and Tuesdays you get a seahorse? You know? What if, well, sorry, Thursdays. What if two days a week, all of us are devoting ourselves to listening to what He wants to say to us and our request for guidance about the future? We probably do more talking and listening in general in life, but probably, uh, well, I think with the Lord, we probably do that too. And so, in this seeking, this is what we're going to have two days where we're going to listen. Fridays. The text is uh, the Great Commission. Today, let us ask God to help us not lose sight of how a building should fit into the overall mission before us seeing it as a tool for making disciples and not as something to idolize or distract us from the plans he has for his church. We do not want to become something that we hate. You know? We don't want to become people whose entire church identity is caught up in some facility somewhere. Uh, and so we need to help him. I'm sorry, we need to ask for his help uh, in in staying away from that mindset because when you're praying and you're asking for something, sometimes like it can take on a life of its own. And so this is hopefully going to temper us. From, it'll kind of counterweight this, like we're asking for a building, or we're not asking for a building for the wrong reasons. We're asking for a building, if that's his will, to help us make disciples within our city or multiple cities or whatever that looks like. Uh, but we're going really to ask the Lord to keep us tethered to uh, a right way of thinking about a facility. And so um, that's what we're going to do on Fridays. And then on Saturdays. uh, Today let us ask the Lord to guard our hearts and minds against discontentment in our present circumstances, that we may continue to strive to steward well all that he has provided. It would be very easy for us to begin to pray for, uh, for direction, for a building, for all these kinds of things, whatever it is, and let some sort of discontentment grow in us about where we are here. Um, this place is a gift to us. Um, the relationship that we have to Grace Baptist, does, it's very unique. It should, not, it should not really work. You know, People in ministry, when, when, they, when they first find out about you know, what we're doing, they'd be like, huh, yeah, how's, how's that working out for you? you know? But the folks at Grace have been amazing. This place has been a godsend when we, when we were kind of up against the wall and not real sure what else to do. So 
human nature would, when you're praying about something like we're talking about, would maybe allow us to look around and maybe grow discontent here. And so we're going to pray against that, that he would guard our hearts and our minds from falling into that trap. So we're going to work our way through those seven things for a month. And then at the end of the month, we're going to, we're going to wrap up on the 12th. And then there's an elder meeting on the 18th. So somehow between the 12th and the 18th, we're going to get data from you. I'm not sure how we're going to do it, but we're going to do it. Um, and in that meeting, we're going to sift through that. And then we have a covenant member meeting, a family meeting, that's uh, a little bit after that elder meeting. And this is a time when people who have made a commitment to this church and they're covenant members come together and we do this a couple of times a year and we don't put it in the bulletin. It's not advertised because it's not for the general public. It's just for those who have committed, who are members of the church. And I would like you to be a member of the church by the time that meeting happens. And so we're, we're taking signups for a membership class. We're trying to get everybody through the process or whatever. If you have been around here for a while, uh, what are you waiting on? You know, I would encourage you strongly to just come to the class, sign up, find out exactly what membership is all about. But um, so that's for those of you who are not covenant members. I hope that you will be one by the time that meeting comes around. So we finish 30 days on the 12th. Elders meet on the 18th and kind of harvest all the stuff. And then somehow in that that meeting, we're going to be like, okay, here's the data. Here's, here's what we heard from you. Now let's talk about it. And let's figure out what direction God's given us. Um, so that's what the next month or so is going to look like for us. No matter what he says, you know, no matter what he reveals, no matter what, how he leads us, it's, it is pure goodness coming our way. He knows how to give good gifts to his children. In that text, it says, you know, if, you're, if your son asks you for bread, are you going to give him a rock? God's not going to give us a rock. He's going to give us a good response, whatever that is. And so he could say this, or this, or this, or this, or this, and whatever, whatever it is. If we've been praying these prayers and asking for his help, we're going to receive it with humility and gratitude, and uh, it's going to be amazing. And when that, whenever that crossroads moment comes, we're going to know what he wants us to do. Um, in Acts chapter 1, when we were looking at the story, um, they're talking about replacing Judas. If you look back at it, verse 26, um, it says that they, they cast lots for them. And the lot fell on Matthias, and he was numbered with the eleven apostles. That that was their decision-making process. After this, in the story of the church, you don't ever see them casting lots for anything ever again. And the reason is that right after this, God sends the Holy Spirit to dwell in his children and to lead them like directly from the inner man. Here they are submitting themselves to chance. They're basically rolling the dice and just trusting that God will make the physics work out. You know? And then from this point on, they're just, like after this happens and the, and the Spirit lives inside of them, they're making decisions with the guidance of God's Spirit. 
So for us, we don't have to just kind of figure it out, roll the dice, guess at what he wants us to do, figure out the most logical thing. Let's use our earthly wisdom. Obviously, he wants us to do this. No, because the Spirit is dwelling in every one of us that are his children. And when we ask and we seek and we knock and we ask him for the things that, uh, that we need, he is going to provide. And so it is very possible for God to put us all on the same page because his spirit dwells in us together. And with, by his help, we can discern what we, where we need to go. So this is really very, a very New Testament church, a very Acts, like early church thing to do. And I hope that you will be a part of this. I hope that you will devote yourself to this. I hope that you won't just take this little bookmark and stick it in the Bible and then like let it fall out in the parking lot somewhere and then never think about it again. I hope that, you, that this excites you a little bit. Because if, there was a, if we were to do a, a history of, of the ring and write it all out, you know, part of that history would be like in December of 1999, a group of college students devoted themselves to prayer. Um, we're writing our own history right now. And so in January of 2015, the members of the Ring Community Church devoted themselves to prayer. And there's something on the other side of this that, he had, that only he knows. And so we need to do this. This can't be like the elders are going to decide the future. Staff's going to decide the future. The whatever is going to decide the future Christ has a plan for us, and it is awesome. So I hope that you're in. I don't really have a way to know that. You know, I hope that you are, and I hope that, uh, I hope that you're excited to hear this stuff. And uh, all of the elders and staff and uh, all of us, we, we just welcome talking about it. This won't be one of those things of like, do not talk about it at all. No, talk about it a ton. Spur each other on, you know. If uh, just encourage each other, uh, share what you're learning, all that kind of stuff. I don't. It'll be fine. Don't worry about that. Uh, if you have questions about any of this kind of stuff, then you can always ask us. But um, this was not really. A, it's not a big like sales pitch for 30 days, you know, or a pep rally for 30 days. It's a little bit of like, hey, let's just talk as a family. There's, there's, we're in a place where we need to really discern God's voice, and this is how this is how we believe He has this. An organized way he's put in front of us of discerning what he wants us to do. So let's go for it. Um, so, yeah, that's that. Uh, so let's let's stand together, and the band's going to come back. And um, I want you just to think for a second. Just kind of close your eyes and. I'd like you to simply just pray and ask, uh, ask the Lord to bless our efforts. As we begin on Wednesday, go over the next month petitioning Him. Just ask Him to bless us with uh, a really heightened sense of discernment. And that, that through His Spirit, He would just speak with great clarity. And he would excite us about what is ahead. You just pray that for just a second. And then I'll close this in prayer. We'll sing.
Jesus, you tell us to ask, and so we're asking. That in um, the most humble way possible, we're acknowledging our need for direction and for clarity and for, uh, uh, you know, for all that, um, all that we need in order to, like, confidently walk in the center of your will. You know, our desire is to have a place of our own. Our desire is, uh, is to more effectively bring glory to you and make disciples in our community. Our desire is to walk closely with you, to be molded more and more into your image. And so we acknowledge that need and ask that you would bless our efforts to seek you out. That as we put legs to these desires and we uh, we do so with we do so with great faith, just believing that uh, when you when you draw us out and you you tell us to ask, we know that you're not trying to trick us. We know that you're not uh, withholding something. We know that you're not up to something. Uh, that's weird or whatever, that you're, you're drawing us into more goodness. And so we ask with great faith, believing that you will answer us and that uh, your answers will be filled with grace and goodness. And help us to, uh, much like uh, the knocking on a door, just to be persistent, that you would have all of us together just, just beating on the door of heaven constantly with our requests, asking for your help and your guidance and uh, that we would, I mean, we know we'll never drive you crazy, but I pray that we would maybe grow right up to the line uh, because we know that that excites you because it's showing you that your children trust you and desire your will to be carried out. And so we don't wait uh, in a way that is bored or twirling our thumbs or just kind of, you know, whatever. But we want to we chase after you. We want to wait in prayer, uh, believing that you have some amazing things in store for us. And uh, we know that you have begun something beautiful and that you always finish what you start. And so uh, we're just ready to see what's next. And uh, just very excited about that. So I pray that you would help us in our efforts to devote ourselves. Um, we would do so with great faith and trusting you. And uh, that even as we sing tonight, something would ignite in us that we would really be ready to go for it together. We love you so much, Father.